0: If this is the best God can do, I am not impressed. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to the Out of the Limits of an radio show, Outoflimitsradio.com. I'm your host, Ryan. Today, we are going to look at a wider perspective of what is happening in the world, and what can you do to protect yourself from crazy periods of time that may be happening in the U.S. or worldwide? Some people are moving. Some people are moving in safer spaces. Some people are taking on new skills to protect themselves, protect their families. And other people are continuing to explore and to grow no matter how crazy the world seems and how much it seems to be regressing. This is an upbeat, positive show. Let us begin. Our future guest today on the Outer Limits of Inner Truth is Brandon Smith. This gentleman is a passionate freedom advocate. I've been reading his articles for years. love his perspectives. Feel more about Brandon by going to his website at alt-market.us. Brandon, welcome to our show.
1: Uh, Hi, thanks for having me. Thank
0: you. One of the recent articles that caught my attention that you wrote was, it was titled, Is the Pussification of America's Youth Scientifically Engineered? And I I thought this was awesome because looking around America right now, most of the world, I see so many people that are cowards. They're just not acting like real men. It's like, I know that, uh, you know, there needs to be a certain sensitivity and openness, I guess men and all and women should also be sensitive and open, but then there's that effeminate male, the male that just, you know, eats four bags of Doritos and doesn't have the Spartan-type energy. I mean, what do you gauge about this? Do you think that America is pretty much purp- purposely engineering men that can't stand up so they can put tyranny on people, or what's the cause behind it?
1: Well, uh. Yes, it, to a point. I think it's deliberate, and I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say it's just men; it's it's uh, women too. There's sort of a, um, I think, uh, a weakness of character, uh, a fear of of losing comfort, that is prevalent today and and in, in our culture, uh, especially among younger people. And I, I uh, you know, I partially blame. You know the culture itself, but I also blame uh, the parents I think uh, basically in the late seventies, early eighties, there was uh, a sort of new parenting style, which a lot of people would call uh, helicopter parenting and that 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 started right around the time. That the boomers were hitting their stride. So uh, you know, it's it's not just the millennials. It's not just uh, you know the the younger generation. It is it is uh, the so-called boomers' fault as well that this is going on. But um, the the system itself pushed this type of parenting. It pushed uh, through pop through propaganda. Pushed helicopter parenting. Uh, on the boomers and through that propaganda, it sort of encouraged the idea that um, comfort is everything. Comfort is comfort is the most important thing. Uh, child must be com- comfortable and safe at all times, uh, never allowed to go out on their own to take risks, <laughs> you know, that sort of thing. And it even pervaded uh, education. So, at public schooling, there, this this sort of uh, methodology took over.
0: And no one gets and, grades. Yeah. You don't want to give out grades, who will upset someone. And
1: right, everyone everyone is the, everyone has to be treated the same. Everyone has to be a winner. <laughs> that sort of thing. And so, these kids, a lot of them, grew up without uh, any. Uh, idea of what it means to struggle you know and uh there's in um psychology there's uh this this actually is uh, an issue as far as uh, you know they're they're finding in adults with sort of uh, you know weak character lots of fear uh inability to take responsibility that sort of thing they find that if, if an adult did not go through any short-term, what they call short-term acute stress and, and as a child, they grow up without the ability to deal with uh, stress later as an adult. Um, and in, uh, they, they actually they had to develop different types of therapies in order to teach people to deal with stress because they never went through it as, as a child.
0: Do um, so you think that like kids that have like traumatic or or tougher childhoods probably are better adapted to face the world as it is instead of those that are coddled?
1: Right, and I'm not and I'm not talking about. There's different kinds of stress. So you do, what you don't want is long term uh, long term stress or chronic stress. Uh, long term chronic stress can be just as bad as coddling. A child. You don't want. You don't want them. You don't want an abused child because then they're going to uh, grow up to be just as fearful and um, you know not able to handle the real world. Uh, what you do want is something called short-term acute stress, and uh, this is done through a process called stress inoculation. Um, the military talks about this a lot, and they they use it to a point in in uh, boot camp. But they, where it really comes into play is when they train, uh, you know, their their special ops people, and DARPA actually has uh, a lot of uh, white papers on short-term acute stress and stress inoculation, and methods for acclimating a person to uh, stressful encounters without messing them up mentally. And they do this in order to get get these soldiers ready for combat without them actually having to go through combat all the time. Um, it's different types of training, competition, uh, things like that, that allow them to feel short-term acute stress and then get, get acclimated to it or conditioned to it. Um, there's a lot of ways to do this with children. So you, you, you let them uh, go through competition, uh, they you know, you uh, let them do uh, some things like public uh, addressing, you know, public speech, uh, 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 various types of competition. Sometimes you just let them kind of go out on their own and deal with their own problems, you're not always there to fix everything for them. Uh, That's short-term acute stress, and it's actually good for them. It teaches them to be more responsible as they grow into adults.
0: You brought up something a little earlier about um, everyone being winners, and I noticed that when I was a kid. Our team won the championship, and they wanted to make the other team to be co-champions, so screw you. I don't want the championship. No, we won. We won, you lost. And my father was always good about that. He always said that it's good to, to be beat, because, you know, you're going to fight really hard. you either going to win, you're going to lose. But today they have this thing where the kids get trophies without working. And I'm wondering if that was done on purpose by the state so adults would feel completely comfortable with receiving government checks for doing nothing. And I'm just wondering if that's part of the conditioning, if it's done on purpose to make the the, the people... Completely relying upon the state. I was wondering how you see it.
1: Right. It, well, it is. It is actually scientifically proven that if you remove children from short-term acute stress and you don't allow them to go through stress inoculation, that they will grow up to be uh, basically fearful weak people this is it's scientifically proven it's uh, all throughout psychology they've noticed this problem and they've even developed different types of therapies uh to deal with it in adults because they didn't go through it as children um to i would say where the establishment comes in is through first of all through the uh um avid encouragement of helicopter parenting uh trying to impress upon parents that that's the only way that you can do things if you if you uh put your children through any kind of stressful events you know at least short-term stressful events then you're a bad parent Um, and then also you have the the establishment's influence on education so you had the ford foundation you had the rockefeller foundation uh, pumping all kinds of money into, uh, you know, uh, teaching uh, different educators, uh, social justice conditioning, that sort of thing. You had the Ford, Fa- Ford Foundation heavily involved in uh, public television, actually. Um, they, they were uh, pretty heavily involved in the development of PBS and specifically shows like Sesame Street and Mr. Rogers, that a lot of that was Ford Foundation money that started those shows. And uh, that's not to say that the makers of those shows were somehow involved in some kind of conspiracy. I think it's just that those shows were encouraged and, and funded because they taught a specific uh, sort of philosophy, and that philosophy was stress avoidance. So if you you know if you look back at the old Sesame Street, the old Mister Rogers, those kinds of shows, it was all about stress uh, stress avoidance, not about uh, stress confrontation, and that's um, something that really hit its stride in the early 80s um, onward, uh, avoiding stress. And so when you have these kids growing up with learning all about Avoiding stress and and avoiding discomfort and never having to uh, do things on their own, then they grow up and they become adults and they go out into the real world. Suddenly they realize the real world doesn't work that way. Uh, it doesn't work the way that their their childhood home life worked. There are all kinds of stresses. There's all kinds of um, confrontation and difficulties and struggles, things you have to deal with in order to get through life, and they get, you know, they get pissed off, they they get angry because they feel like they were, uh, you know, uh, either duped or they feel like, you know, it's not fair that they had uh, this this home life that which was focused on comfort. And now they have to abandon that for a, a life of struggle. So they get out in the real world and they decide they want to make the real world just like their home world was, or their childhood. They want, it, they want that perpetual childhood, <laughs> you know? And, and so you get what we have today, which is uh, like social justice culture, and uh, safe, safe spaces, and uh, trigger warnings, and all of these ridiculous Jeez. things. It's all adults trying to remain children and, and maintain that sort of helicopter childhood uh, that they had, and they want to maintain it all through to the, rest of the, to the end of their life.
0: People on the show come to know me as, as a positive guy now. <laughs> I'm pretty, pretty apocalyptic sometimes, and I always, I always hope, I really do hope, for something that would test humanity so much that it would force people to mature and it would also, you know, flush out a lot of the, the the weaker parts of our civilization. I mean, it happens all the time in the animal kingdom. You know, there, there are species that live and there are species that thrive. And there are those that go extinct. And I, I know this sounds kind of cryptic, but I'm hoping that a sizable portion of our weaker members of society go extinct. I'm, I hope like, please go extinct because... You know, with the stronger members of humanity, I think that there's a lot of things that can be done, and not to say that necessarily say that I'm going to to make it through, but I think I've got a better chance than some of these some people, at least um, on the mental toughness area. Do you think that there is anything or any particular factors that will that you could see reversing the trend for the trajectory that humanity is on, collective humanity that is delving into safe spaces and being triggered and, and not having any real form of mental resilience? Can you see something that would ultimately trigger that? Or do you think that maybe that is going only going to be something that is going to happen in certain select areas, countries, or states?
1: Well, I think uh, one good thing is that stress inoculation can be learned at any time in a person's life. It's it's uh, it's more difficult when you're an adult, but it can be learned. So, you know, there's a lot of people, there is hope for them to become normal, uh, healthy adults. It, it, they just have to train their minds a little bit to uh, deal with stress and deal with discomfort. I think that especially in terms of economic events, that's just kind of uh, that will be par for the course. A lot of people will have to learn to deal with less and learn to deal with uh, some struggle uh, just by default. They'll have to deal with that because of the economic decline that we're seeing right now. The problem is that economic decline can turn from, you know, very quickly from short term acute stress to long term chronic stress and once you have you know you have people fearful every day struggling every day uh, yeah that can make that can make people uh that can make people as weak and as fearful as if they you know grew up with you know with helicopter parents as children so uh, long-term chronic stress is definitely a, a danger and it can condition people to be fearful all the time and uh, when people are afraid all the time, they look for, uh, you know, mommy and daddy. <laughs> they, look for, they look for a parent to save them. And uh, as adults, you know, a lot of people will look, look to government to be the parent. And that is where this sort of uh, weakness of character becomes a problem. Because these people will tend to look for someone to be their parent and the only entity that can really do that would be would be government and uh so they'll hand over a lot of their freedom a lot of their their uh you know agency or or power uh to government in order to feel that comfort and safety once again especially when faced with long-term chronic stress involved in in an economic crisis or a crash so uh i think as we go through this event, there will be some people who uh, learn and adjust and become uh, strong uh, adults you know the the people they were supposed to be, but I think also there's a lot of people who will become uh, yeah. fearful and and they'll just look for anyone any system that can they think that can save them
0: yeah i w- this one, th- is, is one topic we've discussed on our show a lot, and I won't go too much into it because we have covered it a lot, is we always talk about that looming event, the, the big uh, crash, wondering if that is going to be something that opens the door for humanity or is that something that is planned by the elites to usher into the fourth industrial revolution that James Corbett and Spiros us always talk about. And I know that uh, Martin Armstrong... He's been talking about the the fourth industrial revolution, and he's laid out his the, the how it happens, and then I talked to Chris duane today. I said, Chris, you know, I man, if this thing actually happens, this could be a positive thing for humanity. What do you foresee happening based on all your years of experience, logic, intuition? What do you think is going to happen?
1: Well, I I can't really I don't have a crystal ball. I can't say what's going to happen, but I can say I can tell you what the elites will attempt. Sure. <laughs> sure. I don't know if they'll be I don't know if they'll be successful. I I am actually uh I don't believe that they will okay. in the long run. I, but um the in terms of the fourth industrial revolution, that's a that's a a, a that's part of a new world order terminology. But the Great that's, Collapse like, is what they were
0: talking about. I mean, were talking, yeah.
1: yeah, It's the World great Economic research. Forum and Klaus Schwab yeah. of the World Economic Forum that came up with all of that, and also the the whole term, the Great Reset, is also his terminology, or at least he's the front man for that um, that ideology, uh, Klaus Schwab. And and uh, the the intent of that is to uh, centralize every centralize the entire world uh economically and and geopolitically to, to the point where we have a one world economy one world currency, probably a digital currency digital currency cashless system, and a one world government that's that 's what they want um, <clears throat> they specifically seem intent on using the pandemic situation as a way to get that, to push forward that agenda. So um, whether or not they get it, I, I think it's up to us. It's it's well, up to what do you think? whether I, or not people fight back.
0: Yeah, I went to see a fight back, I went out and I voted today. I haven't done it in a long time, but I, I couldn't handle uh, the governor we had. So I, I don't believe in voting at all. I just... I just—I don't know. I was trying to at least do something. But when I was there, I'm the only person outside without a mask on. I'm the only person inside without a mask on. So all these other people outside are wearing masks, and I'm—and I'm thinking to myself, like, uh, where are the uh, – has got to be other. this that's I'm the only person. There's no one else like questioning this. There's no one else raising a, awareness about this. And I want to fight back. I, I'm in the process of fighting back, but. How does humanity collectively fight back if one if they don't even know there's an issue? Like they think this is fine, they think this is normal. I watched this awesome speech by Tom Woods and he's talking about how you know, what is the point of walking around with these with these masks on and restricting yourself? Like you, you, life is about you know, risk. Life is about being outside and being in front of the crowds and spending time with your families and all these other things. That's what life's about. It's not not to live this way. And I guess most people don't see it that way they're fine they they just want to be alive. So when it comes to fighting back, are you concerned that there isn't more people that they're sounding the alarm bells, and is there something else that you that you see that maybe most people don't see that you give you reason to be hopeful
1: Well, I think it depends on where you live uh in you know in my state of Montana, uh, almost nobody wears masks, uh, especially outside. So, um, you know, if you're in, it really seems to to uh, occur along political lines. So, if you're in a state like California or Illinois or New York or you know certain certain other states, it it seems pretty prevalent that that people wear masks everywhere. And, you know, more uh, people in more liberal states will tend to just follow the the lockdown restrictions, whereas people in more conservative states are not uh, as concerned about it. And they just kind of are living their lives. So <clears throat> in Montana, that's that hasn't been an issue. Uh, I uh, uh, specifically the masks outside thing is is ridiculous. If you understand science insane. at all yeah if you want, i i i have even seen in in some cities uh in montana you will see uh some people walking around with masks outside and every once in a while you'll even see somebody wearing a mask while they're driving <laughs> So, oh they
0: all I the and-
1: yeah yeah they're they're 24 7 they're protected you know they're safe um but it it's not science it, it's not science if if you look at the science of virology you look at how viruses behave and the environments they live Uh, viruses cannot survive in open air environments not for very long and they can't survive in uh sunlight uv light kills uh microorganisms such as viruses so it's it's nature's sterilizer is uv light so uh the just I I understand that a lot of people didn't have um, very good biology teachers in school and they just never learned this stuff. But it should be, you would think it would be uh, the media or the government's job to convey the science of uh, viruses to the public. That they would teach the public how these things work. But they are not. They are not talking about uh, how viruses work. And they're, they're not talking about the fact that viruses can't survive in open air and sunlight. They're not telling the public this. So this tells me right off the bat, I mean, it tells me what I already know, but it, but it, it's sort of um, blatant proof that the government does not care about the science. It's not about the science. It's about control. So, you know, the mask thing itself, a lot of people will say, well, why don't you just wear the mask? It's not a big deal. Just wear the mask. Um, And it's like, well, it's not just about the mask. It's the principle of the thing, for one. It's also... Uh, The mask itself is is sort of a small, uh, like a conditioning mechanism. It's something that leads to uh, uh, things that are worse. So if you get used to the the idea of somebody telling you, giving you orders every day, if you get used to the idea of the government telling you every day, you have to put on this this mask. Um, And then you do it every day, like you're told, then it conditions you to, um, you know, to uh, submit to other orders later on, to other controls later on. So it's not just about the mask. It's just a, it's a doorway to, you know, uh, to tyranny. It's a doorway to uh, a a totalitarian society where the government is in your business every day.
0: Do you think we're there yet? Um, Because I feel like we're there already. Be I mean, like, oh, we're not there. We're almost in tyranny. Even John Whitehead like writes these articles, which I, I they're horrifying to read, but I read them anyway. I hate reading. I hate reading John Whitehead's articles, but he he doesn't. He does such a good job. But I'm like, are we there yet? Yeah. I'm like, yeah, I think we're there. I think we're living in tyranny right now. Would you consider what we're living right now tyranny and totalitarianism?
1: Uh, again, I would say it depends on what part there? of the country you you live in. Um, in Montana, I know. Um I feel like we're Pretty free where you know if you if people who want to wear the masks who feel you know who feel that they 're at risk or whatever that 's uh, they do they wear the mask um, people who don 't feel they 're at risk don 't wear the masks uh, it 's all up to personal choice, and that 's the way it should be frankly if if you see me not wearing a mask and you 're worried i 'm going to give you you know covid then just don 't come near me <laughs> you know um, if a business doesn 't require masks uh and you don't like it don't shop there it's it's really simple um the whole solution to this the virus situation is is incredibly simple uh if you know you're a person at risk which is basically less than one percent of the population as far as dying from this virus if you're at risk stay at home and let the other 99 percent of I agree. us live our lives This is a very simple solution. No one is talking about. No one will talk about this. Why is 99% of the population having to uh, kowtow to these lockdowns, you know, having to submit to these lockdowns just to make 1% of the population comfortable. It doesn't make sense unless you realize it's not about the science. It's about control. It's about controlling the population.
0: And I, I do wonder what would be something that could snap that. Is I mean, if you're looking at two situations, is there anything that could collectively snap that? And then I want to go into, uh, after this, something you pointed out before, with the balkanization. But are there any two things you can think of that could snap that? Once you're on a trajectory that, can it be reversed?
1: Well, I think time time is uh, always a, a pretty good uh, cure for, you know, uh, different types of tyranny. I think people will put up with things for, especially Americans, will put up with things for only so long. And then when they start to become uh, frustrated and annoyed with it, then you, you start to see uh, a sort of movements to change things and movements to uh, you, you don't see in some cultures it's different where as you know in Asia you see this a lot uh places like China where the cultures will just the people will just uh, adjust to the the tyranny and they really won 't do much, but even in those countries you 'll find that over time people will start to revert back to uh you know wanting freedom, wanting liberty. And that comes out in rebellions and revolutions and that sort of thing and and the the establishment that's they're they understand that uh you know freedom and liberty those desires are inherent they're inherent in our psychology uh they're 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 born into us you you can't just get rid of them you can't It's really hard to just train that out of people. It's always there in the back of our unconscious mind. So uh, people will, no matter how bad a tyranny is, people will uh, suddenly have epiphanies that there's a better way and that they should be free, that this is not the way to live. Um, And so the the establishment has uh, spent a lot of time and money and effort and energy uh, developing ways to keep people fighting the wrong uh, culprits or going after the wrong enemies uh, fighting each other instead of going after the elites which is what we should be doing uh, whenever we get these epiphanies that we want to rebel uh, against the system they keep us fighting each other <laughs> instead of them so uh, the 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 issue, the big issue, is not will people rebel. I think people will rebel, but will they rebel against the wrong enemies? Will they will they be uh, lured into fighting each other instead of going after the elites that are the root of the problem?
0: I don't know if they can't fight the elites. I we had Doug Casey on, and I asked him this, and I read a lot of his stuff too. And he's and he was talking about three or four different types of people, and the second type he identified, we identified the preppers. He goes, yeah, he goes, you people out there at stockpiling ammunition and think that you have a chance against the world's strongest military. He goes, you're out of your minds. He goes, you don't think that the cops and the, and they, and the military are going to side with the government? They, they, they take orders. He goes, this, this is an act of history. And then he said the fourth types of people are the people that, that escape. But Doug Casey is really not hopeful that people are going to collectively stand together. He said that you know maybe, outside chance, we're talking about a big hypothetical, if you had a lot of people that were of an anarchist, maybe a libertarian type mindset, were naturally free in that mentality. Maybe that would have something. But most people, at least in the state I'm in, North Carolina, they're all drones. Government says, you know what? You got to walk around and put your finger up your butt and that'll prevent the disease from happening. And you watch the next day, 99% of the people will do that. And when I see that, I'm like, you know what? There's no hope. I don't know. What the hell is going on? So how do you see it? Do you agree or disagree with uh, Doug Casey's perspective? Minus the whole finger up the butt. I was just being sarcastic with that.
1: Right. Uh <laughs> well I don't I mean, I don't know Doug Casey. I, I'm gonna venture a, a guess that he's never been uh you know, a fighter. <laughs> so um, you know, I've been a fighter for most of my life. I've been in, you know, mixed martial arts and, and things like that since I was very young and um I, I know for a fact that uh you know the smaller uh fighters can beat bigger fighters and that's not just in martial arts that's in everything that's in that's in uh military combat that's in all areas of life um it all depends on force of will. It's not about the technology, the size of the enemy. That has nothing to do with it. Um, for example, uh, the the, Af- the Afghani's and the Taliban have done pretty well with just with thirty-year-old AKs in the middle of the desert against the U.S. military for quite some time. They've <laughs> they've held us off. So uh, I don't. See The whole concept that technology uh, is the end-all be-all of uh, military dominance is simply wrong. And people who are not familiar with combat uh, tend to, I think, exaggerate uh, how um, effective technology can be in in war. Um, They just see the planes and they see the aircraft carriers and all that stuff and they think, well, it's impossible. Um, it's not impossible. It, sh- it just depends on what uh, strategy you use, what tactics you use. So, for example, uh, you know, the, 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 the Vietnamese or the, the, you know, the Taliban, um, they use asymmetric warfare. They're using guerrilla tactics. That's a completely different type of warfare from what a standard military is used to. Um, they're used to stand up and fight uh, combat. Uh, whereas asymmetrics, you're using, you know, uh, hit-and-run tactics. So uh, there's always a way to defeat a bigger, stronger opponent. Um, it, the The issue is not the technology. The issue is do people have the will to make that happen? Um, as far as, uh, you know, the American population is concerned, uh, I would say, again, it, you know, It's going to be certain parts of the country that I think will fight back. And uh, what we are seeing now in the U.S. is is a a migration, basically. It's it's a mass migration of conservatives and and some moderates out of liberal parts of the country into more uh, rural areas, more conservative areas of the country. And I would call this a, a, a balkanization of the U.S., And I think that's really kind of the best possible scenario right now is that conservatives are starting to congregate together in uh, different states, different pockets of the U.S., and they're starting to unify and organize and work together more closely. And that's really kind of, I think, our best uh, bet for the future is for this to happen, for, for people to uh, start congregating, and for the U.S. to balkanize, uh, conservatives that are isolated in very liberal areas need to move out of those areas and find other conservatives. It's it's really our best option right now.
0: What if you don't want? What if you're an anarchist? What if you're like libertarian? What if you, what if you want to just be left the hell alone? What do you do? Is there any place for you to go? Uh, no, Either.
1: frankly, uh, the the I mean the. The gray, that's what you're talking about is the gray man concept, where yeah. you just kind of uh, fade into the background and let <laughs> historical events play out. Um, I just want to be left alone. I I, you think, yeah. I love
0: freedom. I am very passionate and willing to fight for freedom. I know some people say, I'm willing to die for freedom. No, I'm willing to fight. And if I die, you know, that's part of it. But then John Whitehead has this epic uh, quote. He says, you either stand for something or you die for nothing. I, every time I've heard – every time I think about that, I love that quote. But I mean can you – my other question is where can you go if you're pro-freedom? What are some of the states that you should go in the U.S. if you're pro-freedom and maybe across the world? Are there any countries that are very pro-freedom?
1: Right. Um, I. I... Yeah, I I would just I would find uh states in rural areas that are predominantly conservative because that this is where you're going to find the most uh freedom especially right now. If you want freedom, uh you you you're going to have to relocate if you're in a, a a city or a state that is uh really submitting to lockdowns, That's highly liberal or leftist, I should say. Um People are going to have to relocate, and they're going to have to do it soon because I do have the suspicion that, that uh, lockdowns in the U.S., that eventually state governments or the federal government will attempt to restrict people's uh, ability to move
0: move around. Why is Sorry, what's you. that? Why do you think they would do that? Just because they're going to say, oh, it's COVID. It's the COVID disease.
1: Because of COVID, yes. And I, and the reason I think that is because I'm seeing it in other countries, uh, especially places like Australia and New Zealand, um, where I think the, those those places are a beta test for what they want to do all over the world or all over the Western world. I think um, Australia in particular and New Zealand are, are beta tests or they're sort of a petri dish where they're testing out certain uh, lockdown restrictions, certain types of certain levels of tyranny that they want to apply in the US and Europe. And uh, I think the reason they, they're doing it there is because those, those people are almost completely disarmed. And there's, uh, you know, they don't have, they, they do protest, but they really don't have the ability to fight back if it really comes down to it. So I think they're, they're trying it out there first to see what people will put up with. Um, and, you know, in the US, I don't think it will would go over as well, especially not this. I know in in Montana, it's not going to go over at all. People won't put up with that. But um, certain states, I think they will try to bring that level of uh, lockdown restrictions. So so the, in Australia, they call it level four lockdown restrictions. and I think that in states such as California, you will see it there first. They'll attempt to To issue level four lockdowns
0: california and i'm from new york i grew up in long island and there was always this thing oh you're from new york Oh, those people from new york they're tough i have to tell you something brandon this year i think new york has lost that i have never seen a bigger group of cowards next to california than people from new york i'm saying this because i'm from there like, how could you let that sociopathic governor murder 6,000 people in nursing homes? How could you allow this stuff to happen and not put up a muster anything, especially in New York City? I figure that it would, if there were going to be any place when riots and looting was going to happen, the people of New York City were going to stand up and they just let it happen. And I just, I, I don't understand, you know, they, that, that truly reveals something about you. And reveal something about your state. Like, I wonder if that stuff would happen in other states across the U.S. because what other states would fight against that, those are the states that I would love to be a part of. But they have to be closer to the beach, though, because that's my only thing. I want to live in a state that's very pro-freedom, but I also love the beach. And I'm trying to find a balance between both.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, I yeah, it's it's hard to say. Uh, I mean, uh, maybe maybe Tennessee would be your best bet. Um but, as far as being close to the beach, <laughs> but or closer to the beach but uh yeah I, I mean as as far as with new york and and uh, the 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 lockdown restrictions and the uh, the ugliness that 's going on there i I think a lot of people are just leaving, um, which is really that 's kind of the first option that the people that do have a conscience that uh, uh, you know they want uh, to be free. I think they're they're leaving in mass, and you're seeing this huge migration out of New York, especially the cities, out of New York uh, into rural areas and, and into rural states. We, in uh, I think in Montana and Idaho, we had a, a massive influx of uh, people moving here just in the past six months. Uh, they've never seen anything like it in the real estate markets out here. So uh, they're and they're all all I've talked to some of these people and they're all coming from liberal states. So they, you know uh, I've talked to multiple people from Illinois, California, from New York, uh, uh, Delaware. There's there's tons of people coming here that are <clears throat> conservatives or moderates that uh, are escaping the the lockdowns. And I think this is unprecedented in. US history at least in recent US history where people are uh, migrating based on uh, political ideals so maybe the civil war (laughs) do you think there's going to be a (laughs) civil war is the last time
0: Salente talks about it and then to come back Doug Casey's been mentioning it and then I talked to a really good friend of mine who's had a near death experience and when she was dead she saw what was going to happen in humanity she says no there's not going to be a civil war and then a couple other people say, "Well, oh, there's no civil war. Do you think there's going to be a civil war? And if there is, what would it be encompassing?" Uh,
1: I think the the establishment wants a civil war, and they're going to push uh, all the buttons um, that they can to make it happen. They're they're doing it right now. You've had uh, decades of of um, you know the younger generations, two probably two decades of the youngest generations, uh, you know. Uh, propagandized and brainwashed into the social justice uh, ideology so there's that there's that issue but those people don't really represent a huge uh, number of the population or a huge percentage of the population there, there may be a couple percent of the population that's enough to cause a lot of problems uh, for sure but it's not really enough to I, I think to uh, generate a civil war I think the real problems will start as the economy continues to decline uh, that's where you might see people start to kind of turn on each other a little bit and i think that's what the elites intend they intend for especially the you know the pandemic and the the social justice riots that's almost a distraction from the economic situation which almost no one is talking about by the way <laughs> you you almost never hear about the, the the, the declining economic situation in the media. It's um, going you,
0: you can't just have the all pand- these people lose and you know lose their jobs, and also the, the retail collapse too.
1: Right. Nobody's talking about yeah. the the destruction of the small business sector right now. Um, the small business sector is dying. Uh, if you look at indicators like um, you know Yelp, for example, they they just came out and said that sixty percent of the businesses that uh, uh, Went off their website that said they were shutting down because of the lockdowns. Sixty percent of them said they're not coming back. So, <laughs> you know, and in Yelp, whether or not you agree with their their politics, um, that's a pretty big indicator of uh, the small business sector and how healthy it is. Also, you had the small business bailouts, which only thirteen to eighteen percent of that. Of that bailout cash actually went to businesses at all, and only uh, half of those were small businesses. A lot of that money went to bigger corporations. So, you, so you have businesses
0: are going to have to pay taxes on it too at the end of the year to make matters right, worse. Right.
1: That's not that's not free money. You have to pay. Yeah, you have to pay for that. So, uh, you know, when they're re- required to pay back on the on those loans, uh, will they even be able to do it? I, I don't think so. Um, So either you have perpetual, uh, you know, what they call like uh, MMT or, you know, uh, UBI, like perpetual government cash just flowing into the system, which will just lead to hyperinflation eventually. Um, Either you have that or you let these businesses fail. Um, And I think that's... Probably what's going to happen, at least initially, is a lot of these businesses will just fail, that's and so uh, you're going to have going into this winter and next year. I think we're going to see a huge amount of um, uh, businesses shut down, and eventually that's going to uh, bleed into uh, unemployment numbers. So that you know the, the official numbers are completely rigged, but even the rigged numbers will, will look very bad. I think going into next year.
0: Mr. Brandon Smith, I want to thank you so much for being with us today. Again, I've been reading your articles for many years. I think you have such an awesome thought process. You contribute a lot of wonderful articles. Learn more about... Sorry. You know, I screwed that up. Can I give you one more second? Sorry. And three, two, one. This is pre-recorded. Three, two, one. Mr. Brandon Smith, I want to thank you so much for being with us today. Again, I've been reading your articles for years. I love your thought process a little more about Brandon by going to his website at alt-market.us thank you so much Brandon for being with us
1: uh, thanks for having me and I'm, I'm happy to come back anytime
0: thank you okay everyone that concludes today's edition of the, Out of the Limits of the Minute Youth Radio Show special thanks to our terrific guest Brandon Smith and special thanks as always to our virtues Miss Kerry O'Connor Miss Constance Ellis and Ms. Lisa McGarrity. And our social producer Jenny Lumisa. To learn more about the Out of Limits of the Truth, please go to our website at outoflimitsradio.com. And the next time, we meet, my friends. I wish upon you an abundance of peace, love, and beers. Take good care, and thank you so much for listening.